What's going on, Thrive Church family? We're so grateful you're tuning into this week's podcast. We pray this message will bless you in the same way it has blessed our house this past Sunday. Come on. Oh, my goodness. How you doing today? Wasn't that, wasn't that wild? Come on. That was amazing. So excited. I think there's some people in here who are just got out of changing and getting back into their clothes. And uh, can we just give the baptism candidates one more round of applause? Come on. Even the spontaneous ones, man. So proud of you. So proud of you and love you. And we're here to help you follow Jesus. All right. So um, I'm going to go ahead and share a message. Uh, I'm going to change it up a little bit. I feel like God wanted me to change it from first service to second service. And so if you really wanted to hear first messages service, it'll be online later. Um, But I'm going to go ahead and do something a little bit different if that's okay. And so do me a favor, stand your feet with me. Come on, everybody in the room. Um, If you're on the slides, don't worry about it. You're off the hook. I'm just going to kind of freestyle. All right. Don't worry. I'm not going to start rapping. I'm not Pastor Dylan. We're good. Um, And then what we're going to do is this. We're going to go to Genesis. We're going to go to the book of Genesis chapter 8, chapter 8. So go ahead and turn to the book of Genesis chapter 8. I want to read to you a good amount of passage. I'm going to kind of skip some things. But essentially what I want to do is I want to talk to you today a little bit about a guy named Noah, if that's okay. And uh, I, I talked to him a little bit about him first service had a different passage, kind of had a different message, but I feel like God really wants to highlight this this morning. I believe he's already speaking. He's already moving. I want you to know that if you're here for the first time or you're new, this isn't necessarily the ordinary, but one thing that's really important to us, you see it on the sign as you walk out, is one of our core values, one of our vision statements here is that we are called to experience Jesus. And so for me, more important than it is for you to encounter a good church service or some nice people, I want God to speak to you in a real way. I want God to show you who he is in a real way. And I pray that that happens this morning. And that's why I feel like I'm going to change what I'm going to talk about, if that makes sense. It's the same reason why we had random people just get baptized. They felt the tugging of God on their heart and God spoke to them. And next thing you know, they're in the take with their jeans on. Come on, somebody. That's awesome. (laughs) So Genesis chapter 8. Talking about Noah and the flood. It says this, now God remembered Noah, come on. God remembered Noah and all the beasts and the livestock that were in him in the ark. And God made a wind blow over the earth and the waters subsided. The fountains of the deep of the windows of heavens were closed. The rains of the heavens were restrained and the waters were receded to the earth continually. I'm gonna skip to verse six now. At the end of 40 days, Noah opened the window of the ark that he had made, verse seven, and he sent forth a raven. It went to and fro until the waters were dried up from the earth. Then, this is what I want to focus on, then he sent forth a dove, everybody say a dove, from him to see if the waters had subsided from the face of the ground. But the dove found no place to set her foot, and she returned to him to the ark, for the waters were still on the face of the earth. So he put out his hand, took her, and brought her in the ark with him. Verse 10, he waited another seven days, and he again sent forth that dove out of the ark. Verse 11, and the dove came to him in the evening, and behold, in her mouth, freshly plucked an olive leaf. So Noah knew that the waters had subsided from the earth. Come on, let's pray. Jesus, I pray that you would speak, you would move. I pray that I would get out of the way and that Jesus, you would just do what only you can do. We love you, we thank you. And in Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen, Amen. go ahead and have a seat, have a seat. So the plan today was to talk to you about the Holy Spirit as a dove. We've been on this series called Holy Ghost where we've been going through for the last three and a half months different parts of the Bible where we find who the Holy Spirit is. 
And so the original plan was to go through the book of Matthew, where Jesus actually gets baptized, found it fitting to go ahead and talk about baptism, because obviously we're doing baptism and kind of connecting the two. But, but I think God wants to kind of just tweak it just a little bit. What we find in scripture is that the Holy Spirit comes to people, uh, right? There's times where it's like fire. We talked about that last week. Times he comes like water. Times he comes like wind. Uh, we've been talking about the different types. And interestingly enough, he comes in the form of a dove. Now, I don't know if you've ever met a dove or seen a dove or had a dove, right? But, but man, they're not, that's not necessarily powerful. Come on, I don't think of like, man, what's your spirit animal? My spirit animal is a dove. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's kind of that's weak sauce. Like, let's be real, right? Like, what's your spirit animal? Whatever, you know, and it's a joke. Don't get all weird with me. I'm not saying like you have spirits and they're like, don't get weird. I'm just saying, like, I don't think we would correlate the majesty and power and authority and awesomeness of God to a little bird, a little white bird. But for some reason, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit kind of resonates with this typology of being a dove, this metaphor, this imagery. You find it in Genesis 1 where the Bible says that before anything existed, God was before the earth. And it says that God was there and the Spirit of God was hovering over the water. The Bible says the Spirit of God was hovering. And that word hovering is very similar in Hebrew to like a, a, a bird kind of floating over. Then we find in Genesis chapter 8, Noah just got through with this ark season. And next thing you know, the dove comes back with an olive branch and it's a sign to Noah that his assignment has been fulfilled, that the God has been with him and he's always gonna be with him. And then we get to Matthew chapter three where Jesus gets baptized. The Bible says that the voice of heaven comes from, from, from up in the heavens, right? The clouds open, God speaks. He says, this is my beloved son whom I'm pleased with. And then the Bible says that the spirit of God descends like a dove. Descends like a dove. And so this dove thing kind of matters to Jesus. And, and, and I've learned in scripture that I got I to gotta care about the things God cares about. Does that make sense? Right? Come on. Like we got to learn, even if we don't understand it, it doesn't make sense. I got I to gotta care about the things that God cares about. And what you will find in at least the Noah story and the Jesus story, right? Genesis 8, Matthew chapter 3, what you'll find, which is a correlation between the two, is that they're both centered around this idea of obedience. Noah builds an ark. I don't know about you, but if God told you one day to build a boat the size of a football field and it's never rained, you would think he's crazy. Come on. God tells you to do little things like show up to church or love on someone at Denny's or like don't smack your kids and it's like still hard. Come on, let's be real. And I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm preaching to myself, right? God calls Noah. The Bible says that the earth was wicked. Everyone was wicked except he found one man that was righteous and his name was Noah. And Noah builds this ark, builds this big old boat, which how many know? Remember the story? Sunday school? Anybody grow up in Sunday school? Here in those, okay, like four people, five people, seven, eight. Okay, good, good. A little bit more. Okay, I get it. You're like, I don't know it. That's okay. I'm gonna tell you. Noah builds an ark. Noah builds this big boat. This is not a fairy tale. We believe that this Bible is true. We believe that this Bible is real. And we believe that when we preach and teach and talk and write out of this book, that we, when we understand it and we, we, we go into it, we believe that this is a love letter from God to humanity and that the things that happen in this book are real and they are to explain what has happened and they are to show us principles of how to live and how to follow Jesus. 
That's why we stand when we read this book, because we honor it. And so we don't believe, I think sometimes we could think that the Bibles are fairy tales, that we tell our kids cute stories so it makes them sleep better at night. And, and no, that's not the case. There are actual moments where God got involved with humanity and began to revolutionize how we think and act and be. And then one day a man named Jesus comes down to earth and saves the rest of humanity from the pit of hell. That we couldn't save ourselves. God saved us in his kindness and his graciousness and his mercy. That's what we believe happens in that scripture. That's what we believe is the greatest story ever told. That's why a bunch of people today got baptized. Because the words in this book transformed their life forever. Noah has an encounter with God. God tells him, build a boat. Noah's like, you're tripping, bro. He's like, no, you're going to build a big boat. And it's going to take you almost 100 years to build this boat. I don't know about you, but I can barely do something for like six months. Let's be real. Half of you already stopped going to the gym and you started in January. We have commitment issues. We do. And the Bible says that Noah builds an ark. There's not cranes back in those days. They're not modern equipment. This is like old school stuff, but he builds it. And the Bible says he builds it and he builds this beautiful ark. And once he builds the ark, it, it it saves humanity. Fast forward, right? Thousands of years later, Jesus gets baptized. Now, this is an interesting conversation about Jesus getting baptized because the Bible says that Jesus gets baptized by his cousin, John the Baptist. And John the Baptist actually looks at Jesus and says, bro, I can't baptize you. Like you ever meet someone who's asking for help and it's like, I, I, I need your help. You don't need my help. Like I need your help. Like imagine Jesus coming up to you and asking him, to ba asking you to baptize him. Like imagine, this is Jesus. This is God of the universe. And he's like, hey friend, can you like dunk me in water? And John's like, yeah, right. You're gonna dunk me in water. And Jesus is like, no, no. It has to happen this way so the prophecy of scripture can be fulfilled. What does he mean? That all righteousness would be done. What is he saying? He's saying that my goal... My identity is connected to obedience and following what Jesus, what God has called me to. Noah builds an ark, is obedient for years and years on end. And the Bible says that he is rescued and he is saved. The waters of the earth wipe out humanity except for Noah and his family. Wipe out the sin of the earth, okay? Wipe out the sin of the earth. And next thing you know, the waters subside and the dove comes as a symbol of the Holy Spirit being with him through that. Jesus gets baptized. The Bible says that Jesus goes into the water, comes out, and the Spirit of God descends like a dove. And not that the rest of humanity is wiped out, but that it is symbolic of that through the life of Jesus, through the life of Christ, through the cross and the resurrection, we now will have the sins of the world being washed away like it was in the days of Noah. Why does this matter to us? Because Jesus now is our ark. Come on, somebody. We're no longer looking for a boat. We look at it for a person. And when we are in that person, because John talks about it, how we are in him and he is in us. When we are in Jesus and when we get baptized, like today where people got baptized, we are going into the water old and we are coming back out of the water new. That God is renewing and restoring and redeeming who we used to be. And that the sins of the past are washed away. And that now we're going to follow Jesus forever. We find our safety not in a physical building, but we find our safety in a person, which is Jesus. Yes. And the thing, right? And so like these two epic moments 
right? These are epic moments. This is like back-to-back MVP championships. These are like some dope highlights in the Bible. And how God shows up is by a bird, is by a dove. Why a dove? And I think it explains who the Holy Spirit is. Because he comes where he's wanted. There's a pastor in New York who says that, and we've been saying that a lot. And, and if you've been here in this church the last few weeks, we've experienced some crazy stuff where God's moving. Why? Because he comes where he's wanted. He comes where he's wanted. And I want you to understand this, that the Holy Spirit will be with you, but it doesn't mean you want him. And I don't know if you've ever hung out with someone who's there, or you've hung out and you're with someone, but it doesn't mean they want you there. You ever get invited to a party you know you're not supposed to be at? You ever been in a place where you know, like, this is awkward, not supposed to be? And, and you would think, like, man, animals. Why animal? Why, why a dove? I remember one time when I became a youth pastor. Um, I grew up in L.A. Grew up in, like, East L.A. area. Obviously, you kind of L.A. vibe. <laughs> but when I moved to Manteca, oh, my gosh. I remember I went to Sierra High. Anybody go to Sierra High in here? From Sierra High? Okay, like three people. Cool. I went to Manteca High too. Sorry, guys. I like hopped all over the place. But I remember I went to Sierra High. I grew up in LA. Some of you Bay Area people know what I'm talking about. Or if you grew up in SoCal and you moved out here to Little Lathrop, Manteca, and the smell. The Farmville. I remember I went to school the first day, freshman year at Sierra. And there was, a, there was cows across the street. Family, I grew up in L.A. There's no cows across the street from campuses. The closest thing to cows being close to my high school were called tacos. You know what I'm saying? There's no cows. And I was like, this is new for me. This is, this is wild. Became a youth pastor at 20. And one of my youth kids, who's actually still serving here, and he's married, and he has a couple babies now. Um, he... he he, the first six months I was a youth pastor, he's like, Pastor Chris, I want you to go with me to this thing. And I was like, okay, like I'm thinking football, because that's good youth pastors go to that stuff, like football games and, and basketball games and birthdays and track meets. He's like, no, I'm part of this thing called FFA. Yeah. I don't know if you know what FFA is. <laughs> Vicky does. She knows what FFA is. <laughs> I didn't know what FFA was. I was like, okay. He's like, I'm going to go to this county fair and I'm going to show my pig and I want you to be there when I show my pig. And I said, what? What do you want me to do? He's like, I want you to go with me. To show. He's, like, he's like, I can even show it to you tonight. It was like nine o'clock. We were hanging out. It was after youth night. And I'm like, what do you mean I, I, I can go with you tonight? And he goes, look, let's go. So we roll over. I didn't know there's like a farm in Manteca for kids to raise animals. Had no idea. I was like, that's where that smell came from. And here I am, LA'd out in my outfit. I, right, everyone's there. And I'm not being offensive. I'm just saying I didn't fit in, okay? Everyone's with the cowboy hat, the, the, the shirts, the boots. I think I came in some Nikes, some skinny jeans, looking real Christian hipster. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just, I, was, I, I, I did not fit in. I brought Nessa. Because back then I was like, dude, I don't know what I'm doing. You're going to come with me. She's like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm like, well, you're from Stockton. This should be kind of familiar. And like, I'm not from here. And so we went and it was awesome. It was really cool. I was totally out of place. And I think you and I can relate to a time where we felt out of place. Here's the reality. I don't want the Holy Spirit to ever feel out of place with my life. I don't ever want him to feel uncomfortable. I don't ever want him to feel unwelcomed. 
And what we find is that obedience welcomes the Spirit, but disobedience grieves Him. I want you to know that the Holy Spirit's not a feeling, and he's a, but He's a person. And that person can be grieved. And that person can be hurt. Now you, what you do, is it going to make him insecure? Is it going to make him weird? It's not going to happen. But what can happen is that we can mistake that God's presence also means God's will and obedience in our life. Those two are not the same. He can be with you, but doesn't mean he's resting on you. And I think if there's anything that I would tell you today, it's this. We find that through the life of Noah, Noah lives hundreds of years, builds the ark, simple obedience, wake up every morning, right? What are you going to do today, babe? I'm going to go build the ark. What are you going to do today, babe? I'm going to build the ark. What are you going to do today? I'm going to build the ark. And I can imagine the people talking about Noah, hating Noah, disrespecting Noah, telling Noah it's dumb, telling people it's foolish, telling, pe- telling, telling him that's dumb. There's no rain. This isn't going to happen. Everything's going to be fine. And the next thing you know, the floods come and nobody knows what's happening. And Noah, out of his obedience, builds the ark. And that dove shows up to remind Noah that, hey, I'm with you. I want you to know that if Jesus is part of your life, we need to learn to be obedient to the Lord. We cannot use God for what we want. Self-help Christianity is shallow. It will produce anorexic disciples. It's cotton candy. If the only time we go to Jesus is because we want something, then we have missed it. You know what baptisms is about? Baptisms has nothing to do with God, can you give me? Baptism has everything to do with Jesus, I'm yours. My life is yours. My family is yours. My future is yours. I'm going to follow you forever. I'm going to follow you till the day I die. And what begins to happen? You see this throughout scripture, that amazing men and women of God in the Bible weren't because they're perfect, but they had a heart of obedience. And obedience attracts the Holy Spirit. Family, I want to be like Noah. I feel like God would ask you the same question. Are we like Noah? Are you in a season of obedience or are you in a season of disobedience? And here's the reality. Only you know that. Because you could come in and fake the funk every Sunday. Come on. You know what it means to wear a mask and a costume and a hide. And I just feel like God wants to free you from what is called hypocrisy, which is hiding in one way and being something somewhere else. And he's not angry. He's just saddened. And I want you to understand that what would happen if you would live your life as if there was a dove on your shoulder, right? A bird, right? Doves are, doves are fickle. Doves kind of go everywhere. And Pastor Bill Johnson begins to describe it as this is, what would your life be like if you had a dove on you, right? You wouldn't just scare it away. You wouldn't just do whatever you want. And I feel like what the Holy Spirit wanted me to share this morning as I close, it's simple is are you aware of his presence? Are you aware of the Holy Ghost in your life? Or have you been living recklessly? Have you been living in sin and chaos? Have you been taking God's grace and mercy as favor and those two are not the same? Because God can get you out of a mess, but that doesn't mean you have the favor of God on your life. That's just because he was kind and good. 
because God's kind and good and he's merciful and gracious, right? The presence of God is omnipresent. It's always around. But just because that's there, Jesus can be with you, but it doesn't mean he's inside you. It doesn't mean that you're living for him. And I feel like if there's anything that would inspire you today with these people getting baptized, if there's anything that would inspire you about this message, if there's anything that would inspire you about the people who are here at this church, it would be this, that we would be individuals that would follow the Holy Spirit. That we would be individuals that would take this relationship with God serious. And the image I got was, it's almost as if in some ways, the Holy Spirit is like an invisible companion. Right? Like sometimes I'm in the car and Zadok is starting to catch it where I think he thinks I'm talking to myself and I'm not talking to myself. I'm talking to the Holy Ghost. I'm talking to Jesus. And, Daddy, and he's like, Dad, who are you talking to? I'm like, don't worry about it, son. Don't worry about it. Because, because in, in our faith, we would believe that when we talk to the Holy Spirit, he's as real in the room or in the car as Zadok is, my son, or as you are. But that takes a real faith and a deep understanding. And the image I got is, I don't want to live a life that walks with the Spirit, but then pushes him away. That's all I'm saying. That's just for me. That's, that's me. When I'm disobedient, I'm pushing him away. And then he can't do or speak in the way that he wants to. Don't get me wrong. He's still there and he's gracious. He's going he's gonna to cover my butt because that's what God does at times because we can't get it. And, 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 and you need to know this. Most of the relationship with Jesus, like it's 99% him and 1% you. Like it's not 50-50. If you're like, man, God's asking me for so much. He's not. He's done all the work. He's died on the cross. He's rose again. He paid a price for your sin. He still loves you when you haven't loved him. He's still with you when you didn't want him. It says while you were a sinner, Christ died for you. When you were in your shame, Christ died for you. When you were in your brokenness, Christ died for you. When you were lost, God loved you. He found you. He searched for you. He looked for you. It doesn't matter if you made your bed in heaven, he was there. It doesn't matter if you made your bed in hell, he was there. He was always with you. He's got you. He's always going to be there for you. He loves you to the very end. It doesn't matter what you do and don't to, that's not going to be dependent on his love. That's not going to be dependent on his grace. And he is always there. This is why Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That means you can grab it, but you still have to grab it. And so it's not 50-50. It's not 90-10. It's like 99-1. But God still wants the 1%. God still wants you. I can the relationship with the Holy Spirit be I'm welcoming you and I'm aware of you, but God, I don't want to push you away. And only you, friends, know that with your life. No one can Christianize that for you. No one can try to teach you out of that. Only you know how you are on Monday. Only you know if you're living a life that's like, God, I want you, or God, I don't need you. And I feel like God wanted to tell someone specifically that today, that you've been in a season where you've been running and you've been pushing God and God just wants to let you know he's not going anywhere. You can push him all you want. He's not going, he's going to be right there. It hurts him and it grieves him. But you're not too messed up where Jesus can't change your life. Your addiction is not too strong where God is done with you. 
Your shame is not too real that God has done with you. Your lies that you've believed are not bigger than the truth that God has for you in your life. And although you might go in circles and you might be running around like crazy and God's just looking like, all right, I guess that's what's going to do. He's not going to go anywhere. You can't push him far enough. And even if you try and you try and you try, he's still going to be close, but you're never going to experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit until you let him in. You're never going to experience the fullness of Jesus until you marry your heart for him with obedience. That I would be obedient like Noah and build an ark so that way the dove can come. I'd be obedient like Jesus and get baptized so the dove can come. I would be obedient in the things that God has asked me to be obedient in my life so that the awareness of the Holy Spirit can be heightened. That's the call. That's the question. That's what I feel like God wants to do this morning. Do me a favor. Stand to your feet. And just close your eyes. Lights off. If that, that'd be great. Some of you came because of a friend or a family member, but for this moment, it's all about you. And I pray that God has been speaking to you since the moment you came in. I pray the coffee hit good. I pray people said hi to you in the lobby, that worship was, in, that, that something was shifting in your heart, that the baptisms, that you were, there was a physical sign of, wow, that's, that's, that's legit. And that maybe my mere words were beginning to resonate in your heart. Something. But it would not be about any of that unless you experience Jesus, unless you allow Jesus into your heart, unless you say, God, I want to know you in a real way. I want to know you like those people who got dunked in that tank. I want to know you like that guy who's talking about you on stage. And maybe you've been in a season where you've known the Holy Spirit, but you know what? You've been pushing him away. You've been resisting and you can resist the Holy Spirit and you can grieve him. And I feel like Holy Spirit wants to let you know to stop doing that because he has more for you. He has more than you could ever ask or imagine. But you got to trust him and you got to let those things go. You got to stop the sin. You got to stop the shame. You got to stop the mess. You got to lock in. And so if you're in this room and you say, you know what? I need to become more aware of the Holy Spirit. I have two questions for you. Number one, I want to become more aware of the Holy Spirit. I've been following Jesus, but my awareness has been off. My radar has been off. It feels like I'm not close anymore in some ways, or I don't even know what's happening. I, I just need more awareness. I need to grow in my awareness. I need to know when he's speaking, when he's moving. I want to go deeper with the Holy Ghost. If that's you, with every head bowed, every eyes closed, just slip up your hand. Just slip up your hand. Just any hand in the room. I want to go deeper. I want to increase my awareness. Awesome. Second question. Keep that hand up. If you're in the room and you say, you know what? I've been pushing the Holy Spirit away. And some of us have to right now repent and say sorry for pushing the Holy Spirit away. That the Holy Spirit was not meant to be shoved around he was meant so that way he could rest on you. That he would find a home in you. That he would find a place where he can sit and he could dwell. I don't want to push the Holy Ghost anymore. I don't want to push away the presence of God in my life anymore. And I need to say sorry for doing it. If that's you and you know who you are, raise your hand in the room. I'm sorry, I'm sorry for pushing the Holy Spirit out of my life. I'm sorry for pushing God out of the way. I'm sorry for trying to run as fast as I can. I need to come back home. Awesome. Now, if your hands are up, either hand, I want you to just pray with me. And I believe that as we pray together, God's just going to move in a real way in your life. And then we're going to let you go in a minute. Repeat this after me. Say this, Jesus, I need you. I need you in my life. Make me aware of your presence. Make me aware of your power. Make me aware of who you are. The reality of God in my life. I'm sorry for pushing you away. 
Come on, let's say that one more time. For those that need to say that and mean it, you need to mean it. I'm sorry for pushing you away. Help me to draw near and to be close. Now do me a favor, if you have any of your hands up, just all across the room, lift up both hands, just as a sign of surrender unto God. That's why we do it. We close our eyes, because if we don't close our eyes, we're distracted, and we lift up our hands, because it's just a sign of surrender. That's it. And I just want to pray for you. Holy Spirit, right now, all across this room, that you would come, that you would draw near. God, I pray that the heart of obedience, the heart of obedience, God, you are attracted to obedience. God, teach us to be obedient to you, not to a religious system, not to a church institution, but you, Jesus. Teach us how to be obedient. Teach us to draw close. Teach us to follow. Teach us to treat you like the dove, to welcome you and to make a home for you. And so I pray for my friends right now, in Jesus' name, that Holy Spirit, you would draw near to them, that your presence would be with them, and that, God, you would continue to do the work in your life, that this day would be a transformative moment where, Holy Spirit, you would move and you would speak in a real way, and that, God, you would continue to do what you're doing in this house. We love you. We thank you. And in Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen. Come on, let's just give it up for what God did today in the room. Amen. Hey, come on, so good. Well, listen, family, I am so excited for what God's doing. This weekend, we passed over hundreds of backpacks, reached hundreds of families, and such a dynamic day today at church. I don't know about you, but I'm excited to be part of this place. Anybody in the room can agree? Come on. So just a reminder, if you're a visitor, fill out that Connect card. We'd love to have you here. If you don't want to be here, that's okay. We'll help you find another church. We won't get mad. We're not offended. We love you still. Even though it might seem weird, we still love you. We want to help you with this walk with Jesus. Sound good? Love you all. Have a great rest of your Sunday. We'd love to see you next week and invite a friend. Love you. Once again, thank you so much for joining in and listening to the message brought to our house this past Sunday. We love you and we pray you have a blessed day and blessed week.